0: Well, good morning, COP. When I look at myself on a big screen like this, all of a sudden, I'm totally intimidated. And I remember a little girl this week on the in a restaurant, and they looked at me and they said, I didn't know Santa Claus was in the restaurant. So sometimes with the beard and the bald head, and I guess also the size, it doesn't help much. Now, likeness aside, my friends, we are entering into a journey that none of us have ever walked before and so we're going to be trying out some things we've never done before this is a test broadcast i can come to you both on facebook and on youtube or i can sit down with you and have devotions together every morning during this crisis time to just put a little faith in your heart and challenge you to be encouraged And we all listened to the president's speech last night, like most of you, I was listening on Facebook Live. It took a little while to get going. And some of you were expressing frustration on Facebook Live and others were expressing their frustration that things were delayed and maybe President Duterte was stuck in traffic and we were all making jokes. But I I would like to ask that we all be a little patient with the government right now. They've never done this before either. We are standing in a situation that the world is changing. And none of us have ever walked this path before. So may I humbly request that we be a little understanding of the Mogulo and we be a little understanding of the lack of clarity. I know it's difficult to make decisions, but let's keep our hearts right. Romans 13 says that my job is to teach you to be submissive to governing authorities. So not just obedient, submissive. So let's keep our heart right, and let's cooperate, let's participate with what the government is asking us to do. Now, I want to get started today. We'll talk more about the current situations we go today, but let me get started in our daily devotions, and then we're going to talk more from Psalms chapter 91, but this is just a test today. We'll have things laid out after we see what works and what doesn't work, but we're going to get started today in Luke chapter two, beginning with verse 21. At the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived. Now, to me, that's very significant because if you remember, John the Baptist was named by the angel also before he was conceived. So it's very interesting that God gave the name to both John and God gave the name to Jesus. Say, Pastor, why is that important? I'm not sure, it's one of those places I have a little question mark in my Bible, but the Bible was specific in telling us it happened before, so let's accept that. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now notice that this is the offering of the poor. These were not the offerings of the rich. These were the offerings of the poor. Joseph and Mary were not loaded with money. These were simple people from a very small barrio. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Now, notice, in the middle of all the corruption in Jerusalem, there's always a remnant, and this is something you and I have to always remember there's always a remnant. There's a a righteous and a devout man in the temple courts in the middle of all the corruption, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Here was a man who was waiting, waiting for Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now again, this is a season in which there's no revival. There's been no open revelation of God for over 400 years until the angel came to speak to John the Baptist's father. And we are still confronted with the fact that the Holy Spirit was still moving. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So again, please brothers and sisters, we must always remember, there's always a movement of the Spirit. There's always a remnant of people that the Holy Spirit is touching. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was still talking in the middle of a spiritual famine. In the middle of a famine, the Holy Spirit was still speaking And was speaking to this man revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ that's a beautiful truth he said you've been waiting for Messiah you're going to see Messiah it's beautiful how God brings us this type of encouragement and he came in the spirit into the temple now that's a fascinating phrase he came in the spirit now notice all of this he came in the spirit it's revealed to him by the Spirit The Spirit was moving upon his life. This was a Holy Ghost man. In the middle of a religious desert, in the middle of a spiritual famine, this is a Holy Ghost man. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He said, hey, it's time to die. You promised me I would see this. Now I get to depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the people. Now notice, God never does anything in secret. That's one of those beautiful principles here. God says, I did this in the presence of all the people. God has no need to hide things. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people of Israel. Now, start right here and begin to make a series of notes in your Bible about from the very beginning of his birth, this is a light to the Gentiles. You see, one of the things that had happened is as Judaism became more and more religious, they became more and more xenophobic. They became more and more inward focused to the point that Gentiles weren't allowed near God. Gentiles, ah, they just there was so much religious prejudice and so much pushing away of of the rest of the world when all along the jews were to take the promises of god to the world instead they just went inward like many churches do today they just go inward rather than reach outward a light for revelation to the gentiles begin to make a list all through the gospels how often jesus talked about for the world for god so loved the world not just god so loved Israel, God so loved the world, and begin to note the plan of salvation did include the Jews, but it also included us as the Gentiles. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. I'm sorry. It hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus causes people to rise up, and Jesus is the stone that people stumble over and they fall. Appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that will be opposed. Don't ever think that Jesus is popular. A sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Wow, it's fascinating to me how Jesus brings a revelation of hearts. You, you start talking about Jesus, and people start arguing. <laughs> it's just amazing. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanul of the tribe of Asher. Now, just back up the bus and park for a minute. For all these people that say that there's no women in ministry, here is a prophetess at the dedication of Jesus. Here is a prophetess. Now, again, to me, this is a fascinating thing to look at, that in the middle of all the corruption that Annas and Caiaphas had brought and their family had brought, in the middle of all of the religious famine, we not only have a righteous and devout man that the Holy Spirit is speaking to in the temple, we have a prophetess, an old woman prophetess. Now, now this is, is fascinating to me. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years when she was a virgin, and then as a widow now until she is 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting with prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Now notice, where did Mary and Joseph go? They didn't go into the Holy of Holies. They didn't go to the Sanhedrin court. They went to a place where there was a group of people who were waiting for Messiah. Now, put this together with me a little bit. To me, this is a beautiful teaching that there's always a remnant waiting for revival. Here is a group of people, not just Simon, not just Anna but Joseph and Mary, righteous, devout people also, and a group of people. And she spoke to these, this group of people. And Jesus was presented to the Lord in front of this group of people. There is always a remnant. I don't care how bad the spiritual environment is. There's always a remnant of people seeking God. And this is a truth that we need to always keep in our hearts. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Now, again, you're not talking about a big town. You're talking maybe 70 to 100 people. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, I put that together with John earlier. In John chapter 1, verse 60, or Luke chapter 1, verse 60. And the child, John, grew and became strong in spirit, grew and became strong in spirit. Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to understand, people are not born strong. They grow strong. People are not born with wisdom. They get filled with wisdom. People are not born perfect and ready to minister. They don't don't come out of the womb ready to minister and Neither do I believe people, when they are born again, are instantly prepared for ministry. There is a growing that needs to take place, like the Apostle Paul for three years in the deserts of Araba. So sometimes you and I just need to back up a little bit and go, okay, I recognize that there needs to be a growing period. And the favor of God was upon him. I like that. The favor of God was on Jesus. Now, if you ever want to see a life of favor, just begin to study the life of Jesus. This is a life of favor. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, which is the period that we're coming up to right now in the world. And they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, a lot has happened between... You know verse 39 and verse 41 and 42 they've gone down into Egypt where they've spent a great period a great many years of time uh, Waiting for things to be safe for them to come back Most scholars believe Jesus was in Alexandria Which was a great Jewish center of learning in the Greek Hellenistic world which would cause us to understand Jesus's great education Now he's 12 years old so by the time he's 12 we know He's left Egypt and he's back in Israel and he's going up to Jerusalem. Now, 12 years old is also the age of Bar Mitzvah. Even today, if you go with us to Jerusalem, you'll see young Jewish men sometimes bringing their sons from all over the world, sometimes just from Israel. And they come to the Western wall to do the ceremony of Bar Mitzvah. It's, it's a young man becoming an adult and coming of age. They went up according to custom and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, um, parents, how many times have you supposed your children were someplace and they weren't, they went a day's journey and they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, scholars believe this took place on a series of steps just outside the Sanhedrin court, or the uh, the great stone courtyard there that the Sanhedrin met. It would have been about halfway up one side of the temple. I showed it to you. I show it to you every year during Holy Week on, on our scale model. Now, so. Please understand, the Sanhedrin were aware of Jesus from the time he was 12 years old. So you've got Annas, who knows about Jesus from the time of his birth, because he no doubt participated in the desire of Herod to kill the children of Bethlehem. 12 years later, the Sanhedrin are talking to this boy. So this young man is not a stranger. And as he grew up, he was not a stranger to these men. These men of the Sanhedrin were like lifetime members of the Sanhedrin. So you have to understand when you start reading later about the Sanhedrin and you start reading about how the high chief, the chief priests and the high priests and all of them stood against him, these men had known Jesus and had been speaking to him since he was 12 years old. So Jesus was not a stranger to these people. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and amazed at his answers. God filled him with wisdom. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. So at this point, the father Joseph is still alive. This is something to remember. So Joseph was very, very much a part of Jesus's upbringing. Jesus had a father in the house when he was a boy and growing up. Now, this is important because sometimes people want to act like, you know, Joseph was around at the beginning and then disappeared. Well, at least until he's 12 years old, we still see Joseph very much involved in Jesus's life. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to him, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. he went down with them and came to nazareth and was in submission to them now young people did you hear that jesus was in submission to his parents now he's the son of god he knows that his father is god and in spite of that knowledge he is in submission to his physical mother and physical father even though he knows and, and the reason i stress this is a couple of reasons sometimes young people you get born again and you get a touch of God on your life and you start getting arrogant with your parents there was no arrogance in Jesus submission is not just an action obedience is an action submission is an attitude but notice Jesus also knew that Joseph was not his biological father he knew that God was his biological father but he was still in submission to Joseph now, I say that young people because some of us have grown up in blended families I grew up in a blended family also And you look and you go, well, that's not my real mother. That's not my real father. That's not my biological father. That's not my biological mother. Excuse me. They're your father, they're your mother. They're raising you. Jesus lived in submission. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. What a beautiful passage to read this morning. Now, Instead of our Old Testament passage, I want to take you back today to Psalms chapter 91. Psalms chapter 91. And I want to talk to you out of that passage for a few minutes. We read through the rest of it because this is brand new and I wanted to give everybody time to get tuned in because this is what I really want to deal with today in Psalms 91. We are living in a situation none of us have lived in before but I know that God is with us. I know that God is with you. I know that God will never fail you. I know that God will never forsake you. I know that all of God's promises are yes and amen. I know that God will not let one of his good promises fall to the ground. I know that God loves you. Now when you you back up sometimes and you see all the scary things around you in the world, And you see the lines in the grocery stores. One of our members texted me last night, Pastor, it's not just a line at checkout. It's a line to even get into the store. And you see all the panic and you see all the fear. My friends, we are people of prudence, but we are not people of fear. We're different. God lives within us and we live within God. They say, well, Pastor Samuel, what's going to happen if I get this thing? Well, we're going to talk about not getting it in a minute. But I want to remind you, Luke chapter 7, verse 21. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues. Did you hear that? Jesus healed plagues. Now, you, you just need to back up and just get this whole thing in perspective again. How many things has Jesus healed you of? Has he healed you of dengue? Has he healed you of cancer? Has he healed your kidney? I mean, look at all the miracles that God has done in your life. Is there anything too hard for him? Is this plague that's going around the world called the coronavirus or Core 19 or whatever they call it now, is, is, this, is this something that's too hard for God? So let's just back up the bus and calm down a little bit and realize Jesus is still Lord. He healed them of the plagues in his day. He heals us of the plagues in our day. Now we just need to understand plagues and pestilences have always been around. I taught you this in the services a few weeks ago. But we just need to calm ourselves down a little bit and relax and realize he's with us. Now let's read through Psalms chapter 91 together. This is a psalm that maybe you should sit down and read every day for a while, especially after you listen to the news or you look at Facebook and you see all the panic attacks. Psalms 91 beginning with verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, I like that. He opens with a statement of faith, a confession of faith. Now I'm a person who believes in faith. I don't believe in faith, I believe in God, please don't get me wrong. But there are principles of faith that we need to understand. James teaches us that the tongue is is a powerful force that controls our lives. But too often we forget that there's a pilot that controls the tongue. If the tongue is the rudder, there is a steering wheel on a ship that controls the rudder. And that rudder is our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you hear me talk about faith, I will never be one of these people who tells you to intellectually memorize a verse and go around and quote it and act like you've got faith. Marked by his stripes, I have been healed. Well, you sound like a parrot. But what I will tell you to do is fill your heart with the word of God. Fill your heart with the truths of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. Fill your heart with the word of God. Get into Psalms 91. Read through the Gospels and see Jesus, the healer. Fill your heart with the word of God. So that out of the abundance of the heart, you just naturally speak. You're not parroting it, you just naturally speak. I say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress. My God, in whom I trust. I absolutely love that. My God. Not like Jacob, who said, Isaac, Dad, your God gave me success. Because at that point, Jacob hadn't developed a relationship with God. Do you have a walk with God? Then you can call him my God. Lord, you are my God i just meditate on that for a while lord you're my god lord you're my fortress lord you're my refuge lord in you i trust now let me ask you a question today do you trust in medicine or do you trust in god well pastor Samuel, we need to be scientific hey you know me okay but i also understand that there's a power higher than any science of this world there's a God who can make the sun go back. There's a God who can part the waters. There's a Jesus who can walk on top of the water. He violates the laws of science. And I've just, I just figured out what can God do? Whatever he wants to do. So I will put my trust in him. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than tuberculosis. <laughs> he's sure greater than the coronavirus now why do we confess these things about god verse three for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler number one from all the people who want to trap you he will deliver you you know right now did you know that there are people i'm sure because i know human nature i'm sure just like i watch people with hiv trying to purposely infect other people. I'm sure there are people with this coronavirus who just purposely want to infect other people. They're trying to trap you. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Did you hear that? He will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. Please, brothers and sisters, there's nothing wrong with doctors. You know that. But don't trust doctors to deliver you. When we were poor years ago, I mean, please, we walked together this journey for 40 years now. When we were all so poor, there was no money for doctors. There was no money for medicine. But it's amazing to me how, as we have prospered, everybody runs to the doctor. Everybody runs to the hospital. When we used to run to church, because if Jesus didn't heal us, well, we die. Brothers and sisters, can we get back to that little simplicity of faith? That we trust God to deliver us? Verse 4, he will cover you with his opinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness, I like that. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Now, he's the faithful God. He's faithful to a thousand generations of those that love him, the psalmist says. He's a faithful God. He is his faithfulness is your shield not your righteousness his faithfulness can you trust him to be faithful in this time will he be faithful to his promises to you in this time his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler you will not fear the terror of the night (laughs) that fear is a choice you will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. This is the effect of God in our lives. We're not afraid. Now notice, the pestilence, the plague, the coronavirus that stalks in the darkness. Now, please forgive me if I sound very unscientific for a minute. But you see, when you see these plagues sweeping the world, I believe there's a spiritual element to them. They stalk in the darkness. What does darkness always refer to? They stalk in the darkness, the place where evil dwells. This is where they stalk us. I think there's a spiritual element to these plagues. And it's one of the reasons I'm not afraid of them. Because I know they're stalking in the darkness. And I'm a child of the light. (laughs) And the light of God shines upon my life. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Did you hear that? Now, yes, do the social distancing the government is asking us to do, the prudency, danger, and take refuge. Yes, 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 yes. But it will not come near you. In addition to the social distancing, God is your shield. It will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Verse 9 because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague shall come near your tent. And notice, because you made the Lord your dwelling place, you live in God, sickness can't get to you because you live in God. Now, to put it in a New Testament way, Acts 17, 28, Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. We have chosen to live our life in God. We live our life in life. The plague shall not come near our tent. I like another translation. The plague shall not come near your dwelling place. Another translation. The plague shall not come near your home. Why are you afraid? You just stand up right now in your house and say, Father, I thank you. The coronavirus shall not come near my home in Jesus' name. Ah, that's a good thing to do. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon lions and addlers, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. Now notice, because he holds fast to me in love. Not because you're super holy, not because you're super perfect, but just because you love him. I will never forget that sermon. To this day it touches me and I love to preach it. It's called Just Because I Love Him. All the things God does for you just because you love Him. Not because of anything else, just because you love Him. Because He holds fast to me in love, I will deliver Him. I will protect Him because He knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now there's one sad thing I listened to with our president last night. He said, you know, I may not live. He talked about, you know, I may not make it. This thing might kill me. Um, No, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our president's strength and his health. And in the name of Jesus, we break that fear off of his life. With long life, God will satisfy our president. And some of you are listening to me right now and forgive me your seniors. But I'm a senior now, I can't hardly believe I'm a senior now. With long life, we've got 25, 30 years left, my friends. We, we don't, we're don't. we not ready to, I mean, yes, I, I, I wanna go home now, but nah, I got more work to do. With long life. Will satisfy us. Now, let me take you back to that one passage a minute ago about the angels concerning us. Do you remember in the temptation of Jesus, the devil quoted Jesus this passage and tried to get Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple and put on a an act of sensationalism. And Jesus didn't buy that. Jesus said, "No, you don't quote the verses and claim the promise to be sensational and draw attention to yourself. These promises are for protection." not for ego. Now that said, in the days ahead, brothers and sisters, let's be prudent. Being prudent does not mean a lack of faith, okay? There is prudent faith. So yes, we believe all of these promises, but let's do as the government asks us to do. Let's wash our hands with alcohol. Sister Bev was complaining. She said, well, my hands are going to get all wrinkled because they're full of alcohol. I said, sweetheart, I'll buy you more hand cream. Wash your hands with the alcohol, constantly like the government asks us to do. When you're asked to put on a face mask, put on a face mask. Do the social distancing, even in church, starting tonight. I don't know if we'll be allowed to have services next week, but you know, whenever the government tells us we can't have services, this is why I'm testing this, because I'll be sitting down with you every day and talking to you and, and just ministering to you in Jesus' name. But social distancing, even in the services tonight, and services all this weekend. We're gonna ask people to sit one chair apart. A little social distancing. So everybody sits one seat apart. We have a little social distancing. It's gonna look a little funny, but that's all right. We're gonna be submissive to the government. So we'll practice the social distancing. We'll, we'll wash our hands, we'll do the face masking thing. But one of the big things you can also do is take care of yourself, brothers and sisters. You, you don't have to prove your faith to anybody. Take your vitamins. Eat healthy, get plenty of sleep, keep your body strong in Jesus' name. But remember, Jesus is your healer. Now, all of that again to say, we'll see you in services tonight, Saturday, Sunday, unless the government tells us no. And when the government tells us no more services, then right here on this channel, I'll be talking to you two or three times a day just to encourage you and love you. It is an incredible privilege to be your pastor. We'll see you tomorrow oversee oh, we'll see you tonight.